The San Francisco National Guard Armory and Arsenal was built about 100 years ago. And when Kink.com purchased it for $14.5 million back in 2006, this five-floor, 160-room, 200,000-square-foot recreation of a Moorish castle had basically been abandoned for about three decades. If you've watched any scenes from Kink.com's more than 30 hardcore BDSM websites over the past nine years or so, Chances are you've seen an exterior shot of this magnificent structure, which currently houses more than 70 porn sets. You can explore some of these sets yourself by taking a tour of the armory. These tours are offered daily, and I highly recommend going on one. I took the tour back in June, and my tour guide was Quinn Quintana, who is hilarious, knowledgeable, and just a ton of fun. So I followed up with her and returned to the armory with microphones in hand. A few weeks ago, Quinn and I wandered around this creepy cavernous castle for about four hours while being stalked by a cat named Rudy. Uh, There are two cats here at kink.com, Rudy and Lala. Okay, Um, so I've seen both of them. Yeah, so there's a black one. When I came in, I saw two cats. Yeah, there's a black one who's um, always creeping around. And then there's Lala who's white and gray and she's more elusive. Um, And I'm allergic to cats and she always lays on my jacket. Like I never see her, but I find her hair on my jackets. Um, I believe they are related, which makes some of the things they do pretty inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is, does not condone incest. <laughs> not even, not even cat incest. Not even cat incest. Especially not cat incest. Yeah. Quinn has been giving these tours for about two years now. I got a lot of questions that I just, I don't even understand why they're being asked to me. You know, like I, today I was in the padded cell and this girl asked me like, she's like, what's the padded cell for? And I was just like, well, we, <laughs> it's like, well, we film scenes in there. And she's just like, well, what would you possibly do in a padded cell? And I was like, what couldn't you do in a padded cell? You know, you could have, you could have like a, a person in a straight jacket and you could be like fucking them in the ass and they can't move their arms. Like, that's exciting, you know? And she was like, oh. She's like, well, what about the loft set? What do you film in the loft set? Did she continue this through every room? I think after a while, like I was so, no, it was just in that hallway. So we're like in this hallway and I was just kind of like, I was so confused by it that I think she was just too... She was too shy to ask me questions after that. And I was like, people ask me, I don't know, not so educated questions all the time. And I try to be very nice about it. Or people will ask me something that I clearly already said multiple times before. And I try to be very nice about it. But like sometimes when people ask me something, like will ask me something and I'll be like, is that a real question? Like, do, is this something that you're really asking me? Like, like what, what are other examples of just like dumb questions people have? Well, people will ask me like, you know, like, do do the slaves actually enjoy that, or do people like doing porn? Or people will be like, like, there's no way that someone likes being like, you know, flogged repeatedly and like tied up. And I was like, well, it's not true. Like, I mean, just because you're not into it doesn't mean that other people aren't into it. So, it's like I think it's just like do people they wrapping that their. People do this outside of porn. That's something I've often wondered. Some of the more laughable questions aren't actually that surprising once you factor in the general lack of knowledge and widespread misconceptions people have about BDSM. It would always be the creepiest person in the group. Like the creepiest guy would pull me off to the side and he'd just like whisper to me, do you pay the slaves? Like, of course you pay the slaves. That's like such a ridiculous question. Like one, I mean, granted, there's probably people that would love to do it that we wouldn't have to pay, but like... I don't even know how we would like justify that as a company. It's like, no, we got these very submissive people, convinced them to do some really weird stuff, didn't pay them. They loved it. 
It was an experience for them. They should be grateful. I mean, it could be an exercise in financial domination. You could make them pay you to yeah. be in things. I think it's pretty obvious that the slaves in a given scene aren't actually slaves. They are role-playing and acting and, of course, being compensated for their performances. Ironically enough, slaves are usually paid more per scene than their dominant co-stars. Another time I had a woman here and she asked me, she's like, where did they film Fifty Shades of Grey? And I was <laughs> she like, thought they shot it here. They shot, she, she thought it was filmed here and I was like, that didn't happen here. There is such a thing as a stupid question. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I don't remember any dumb questions from the tour I took. Everyone seemed like a good fit for the experience. But that's clearly not always the case. I think that couples come here as thinking it's going to be a fun, risque thing to do. Like, oh, like, look, baby, let's go to this porn studio together. But instead, you know, it's just like, it's like, you know, bondage and pain play and like being humiliated. And like, they don't do that kind of stuff at all. So it's not really like that, like, you know, like titillating for them. Whereas other people will come in and they're such huge fans. And like, sometimes I'll meet someone that knows more about it than I do. And I'm like, who are you? And why are you not working here? But like, some people are just huge fans. And this is like an incredible experience for them. So it's, I never really know what I'm getting. Other people I think are just kind of fascinated by things that they don't know anything about or things that make them uncomfortable. Because like, I feel like the vast majority of the people that come on the tour are like very vanilla and they're very uncomfortable. And like everything I'm saying is just blowing their mind. And it's just like, I can tell that they're, they have so many questions, but they're way too afraid to ask me. Other times I get people, these like people that think it's going to be a military tour. So they can be an old... <laughs> historic armory so military So that's happened. Tour. People have showed up here not knowing this was a porn tour. Yeah, that happens all the time. Like, I wouldn't say, like, every tour, but I think, like, definitely, like, maybe a couple times a week. Wow. I think the Groupon description is not very good. Like, I think it makes it sound like, oh, historical tour, and now it's a film studio, you know? And do those people ever leave? I mean... Sometimes. One of my... So... You know, when I first started working here, I was like so excited to make people uncomfortable. And I was so excited to just like talk about all this stuff. And then like now I try to really demystify it and kind of make people comfortable and just kind of give it an experience. But when I first started working here, I did a tour and I had six people leave within the first like 15 minutes. And so just because like, you know, like they either thought it was something else or uncomfortable or they just wasn't what they were expecting. No, did they say anything? Yeah, they asked to leave because I had to get security to get them out of the building. <laughs> um, and you know, that's, I know I actually wasn't insulted by that. I was like, I'm killing it today. <laughs> um, but other times I think people think that they're going to see like sex. They think they're going to come here and like watch porn. And uh, sometimes like if there's an upper floor party, they'll be able to take a peek of that. Uh, but for the most part, that's not what you're going to see. And honestly, I think some of the people that think that they're going to see porn probably couldn't even handle the porn they're going to see. So <laughs> it's probably it's probably for the best. Welcome to episode 25 of Sex with Strangers, behind the scenes at kink.com with Quinn Quintana. I'm your host, Chris Soa. And it's so great to be back after an unplanned and unexpected hiatus. It's truly wonderful to be back in your ear holes. Usually on this show, we talk to a few different people about the same topic, but today it's just Quinn and me, along with some incestuous cats and a super creepy castle. As I mentioned earlier, we spent about four hours exploring the armory after dark. I ended up leaving around two o'clock in the morning, and I've edited down this epic chat to its most relevant and compelling parts. I think you're going to like it. 
So please stick around. Aside from giving tours at the Armory, Quinn Quintana also hosts a web series called Hot Tub Interviews with Porn Stars, which you can watch for free on Vimeo. There are three episodes right now, and they all begin with this great opening sequence featuring Quinn and some fantastic porn music. It really takes you back to the 80s, doesn't it? Thus far, she's featured conversations with Tori Lux, Rain DeGray, and Jack Hammer. You can find a link to this series at sexwithstrangersshow.com. I recommend checking it out. Her web series is just one major example of how much working for kink.com has changed Quinn's life. Two years ago, she spotted a Craigslist ad for the gig and applied for it despite not knowing anything about pornography or BDSM and having a very real fear of public speaking. So I didn't know anything about porn, but I was living with this, this guy and he was like, you have to get that job. And so I wrote this like really, you know, I wrote this cover letter with a bunch of sexual puns. Do you remember some of the puns in your kink.com cover letter? Yeah, I think I said that working at kink.com would be right up my alley, pun intended. I think that's how I started the letter. Um, but they brought me in for an interview and they thought I was cute and funny and they invited me back for a second interview and they wanted me to give a five minute presentation on something I was passionate about. Again, I don't know anything about porn, don't know anything about BDSM and my friends are like, you have to get that job. My dude friends, of course. And so I chose to do a presentation on masturbating and I brought in my vibrator Alejandro and the presentation was a rousing success. And I made this woman cry from HR and then... With laughter. With laughter. With she laughter. didn't get emotional. No, no, she didn't get emotional. <laughs> she just thought it was really funny. It makes sense that she chose a topic like masturbation for this presentation. But it wasn't exactly something she had a ton of personal experience with at that point in her life. I never really masturbated until like four years ago, I'd say, like three wow. or four years ago. Like I, I had like kind of had, but like really I was kind of like, I didn't really know what I wanted or what I was into and I'd rather just have someone else do it. And I was like really sexually frustrated once at work and like this girl, my coworker, she's just like, why don't you just go home and like masturbate? Just get like, take your vibrator out and have like a really nice session. And I was like, oh, that sounds nice. Why don't I have a vibrator? You know? <laughs> and so then I went out and bought one and like that was, you know, the end of that. It yeah, like once you problem. have your first vibrator, then it's like, you know, it's game on. The first set we visited is also where Quinn likes to begin her tours. So we are in our Hogtide set. It's based off uh, the very first website that Peter Ackworth, the founder and owner, CEO of kink.com made. So hogtide.com is a rope bondage website. And this is our first permanent set here at the Armory. The room also features a birdcage that's large enough to comfortably fit a person, though not necessarily this person. Should I try to get into this cage? <laughs> I think you should try to get in this cage. Um, I don't know why you'd come to a porn studio and not get into a cage. So that's just my thoughts. It's, and again, I've, I've put someone in this cage uh, that was six foot seven. Right. And for a long time, the biggest person I put in was 6'4", and this guy comes up on a tour, and he's like, I'm 6'7", let me try, and sure enough. And this was after my tour, because yes. I remember you mentioning 6'4", and I said, well, I've got an inch on them. There's no way I could fit in here. Yeah, so 6'7", this was probably last week, I think. 
But how how skinny was this person? Skinnier than you. Yeah. So yeah. um so now he's like like you know he had that. Now that you've called me fat, build. I'm gonna try to <laughs> I'm gonna try to get in here. All right. You can watch video of this attempt at sexwithstrangersshow.com. No, you wanna go ass first, not the feet. Yeah. There oh. you go. And you gotta go to angle and really want oh, it. Oh Jesus. You got this. I do really have to want this. Yeah, you I got don't this. Know if I want this enough. You you want like, it. How, I think I'm too wide. No, you're good. And then duck down and scoot all the way to the back. And then put your legs in. God damn it. <laughs> You'll have to watch the video to find out if I succeeded. You'll also get to see Rudy, our feline stalker, who is in frame the entire video. And of course, Quinn had a much easier time getting into the cage. I can actually lock myself in. I've done this enough times. Yeah. And there's these slots on the side here where you can feed me things. Interested in. <laughs> I assume it's mostly used for snacks. Mostly used for snacks. Uh, bananas. <laughs> cucumbers. Penises, you know, whatever. <laughs> We've also posted video of Quinn easily climbing into the cage and making me look like the world's least flexible man at sexwithstrangersshow.com. Hogtide started shooting in this space back in 2007. Ten years after Peter Ackworth, the owner of kink.com, started the site in his college dorm room. And hogtide.com got its first porn siblings well before the armory was in the picture. Fuckingmachines.com was the second website. It was launched in 1999. Uh, The third website was Sex and Submission, and that was launched in 2000. Quinn actually has kind of a long history with fuckingmachines.com dating all the way back to the year the website debuted. Like our first computer. And this is when you had like dial-up internet, like AOL chat. And I shared a computer with my dad at this time. And I once made this mistake of clicking on the icon on the desktop, just some random icon. And what popped up was a woman sitting on top of a table fucking a machine. And so this is 1999. This is the year fucking machines came out. And uh, there's no doubt in my, like we're the original fucking machines. Like I know that was a fucking machine scene. And that's like the first porn scene I ever saw was like someone sitting on top of a box and fucking it. And how old were you? 10. So 1999, I was 10 years old. And uh, yeah, so my dad's obviously into weird shit. I've never told him that because I just think it's weird that we're into the same porn. You know, that's, (laughs) that's weird. 11 years later, she had yet another unexpected run in with kink.com. And when I was 21, I was really excited to go to this bar called Butter. So Butter is like this white trash bar. They pride themselves on being really white trash. You know, there's grape soda cocktails and White Castle sliders. And I was so excited to go there. And they're apparently only open Thursday through Sunday. And I stumbled in there on a Wednesday night and I opened up the door and there was people just fucking on the floor. And so I was just like, I was like, oh, you know, and I just like shut the door and left. And then this guy comes outside and he's like, no, 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 come in. It's okay. It's okay. Come in. And that was a public disgrace shoot. So that was the first time I'd even heard of kink.com. And I was just like, what is this place, San Francisco? (laughs) Where did I move to? But that was kind of my, that was like definitely in the first year I was here. Quinn didn't find kink.com. It found her. It was just my, it was just my destiny. (laughs) It's a grand destiny to have. It is, yeah. She mentioned that public disgrace doesn't really shoot in San Francisco anymore because the city banned public nudity in 2013. But they still do shoot scenes for public disgrace, as well as bound in public in Europe. 
So we used to kind of film outside all the time because we couldn't. And then now it's like if you're a gay man in the cast or you can't sunbathe in the chairs anymore because, you know, not everyone wants to see your dick, they decided. Um, so we don't film in San Francisco anymore. And I think the laws change where even we can't do it in bars after hours. Which I kind of miss it, though. I miss it being like, you know, the one warm day in San Francisco and getting to see a bunch of naked gay men. It was nice, you know? And, and that was just common. It was just it was common. Just... It was nice. Like, there's these chairs over, like, it's like Castro and Market, and they're, like, out on the corner, and there would just be, like, naked men just, like, yeah, hot dog tanning, you know? You got to keep that hot dog nice and tan. No one wants a pale hot dog. All of the sites we've mentioned thus far are popular and active, but really only make up a small part of the kink.com empire. They have a lot of very popular sites. Though not every site they've rolled out has been a success story. We used to have an active website called footworship.com. And so for us, you know, we're BDSM, so we had to make it weird. You know, we had to, you know, be true to ourselves. And so we are, of course, like, you know, like having someone put someone's foot in someone's ass. And, you know, people that have a foot fetish aren't really into that. And so so that, it didn't work. It didn't work out. That was not one of our successful websites. So, I mean, there's things that we thought were going to be, like, huge. Like, I think pissing.com, we thought was going to be, like, a huge, you know, a huge website, and it just didn't really take off. And we've since sold that website, I believe. Okay, so someone else has pissing.com. Somebody else has pissing.com, and I'm sure they're very happy with it. Yeah. I, I hope it's working out. I, I do, hope, too. I don't I, know who has it, but... Yeah. I, I hope... <laughs> I hope they're being showered with gold. Me, you too. Know? Yeah. Um, Golden showers. I did check in on pissing.com. It is indeed active and part of another huge porn network. Kink.com does still shoot scenes involving piss, though there are some bodily excretions you'll never see on any of their sites. So kink.com doesn't do any blood or feces play. It's like uh, if someone starts their period on, on set, we have to like close down. You know, we have to like stop the shoot. It, it's it's like a toxic waste kind of thing. Right. It has like, to be something with our insurance, I think. So but what what if you're doing heavy corporal and, you know, people bleed sometimes in heavy corporal. Do they just sort of. We would stop the scene and cut it out. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like blood will happen because we are people right. and we have blood. You know, I, accidents happen. Right. Like, like any other company. Yeah. 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 But it's just like if blood if blood shows itself while someone's being flogged, it doesn't make it into no. and then they'll stop. video. Yeah. That's interesting. And so and, uh, every every scene prior. So when a model applies to workahink.com, uh, they apply per website. And each website has its own yes, no, maybe list, which you're probably familiar with this, but I'll, I'll explain it anyway. So it's like, yes, they're willing to do certain things. No, they won't do certain things. And maybe is either they've never done it before, but they're interested or they'll do it, but under certain circumstances. So they'll fill out the original yes, no, maybe list. And then when they come in the day of the shoot, they'll fill out one specifically to that scene. And so, you know, some models have different you know, if they have another shoot the next week, they might not want any marks left. So there'll be like no marking, you know, and they kind of list what they want to do, what they don't want to do. So everything's really planned out beforehand, but kink.com really likes to have things happen naturally. So you'll have the idea, idea, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, and you just kind of let it flow. Right. It's my understanding there are no scripts. There's no things. scripts. I mean, however, you know, a lot of our, which is actually my favorite genre of porn, is... Uh, 
like gangbang parody porn. Okay. Is my favorite type of porn. We were just talking about We that. were just talking about that. <laughs> and so kink.com does a lot of those. And so those don't necessarily have a script. They might come up with a few lines for someone to say or something and they'll have the theme, but it's still just kind of happening on its own. So the no blood rule is perhaps an insurance thing, but the no shit rule is basically universal when it comes to porn production in this country. I don't think most people know this, but you could go to federal prison for making commercial scat porn in the U.S. because it's considered obscene. And that's the key word. Obscene material is not protected by the First Amendment. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, pornography is fine as long as it's simply indecent, but it better not be obscene. And federal courts seem to believe that the road from indecency to obscenity is paved with poop, which is a terrible way to pave a road. But of course, it's a little more complicated than that. You can find a link at sexwithstrangersshow.com to a Vice article highlighting surprising examples of Justice Department prosecutions of pornographers for reasons that have nothing to do with poop and honestly seem completely arbitrary and ridiculous. I used to think Larry Flint's various trials put an end to the war on pornography in this country, but I just wasn't paying attention because it's pretty clear there will be more battles in the future. Similar fights are happening overseas as well. In December of 2014, producing BDSM content in the UK was basically outlawed. Peter Ackworth, the owner of kink.com, is British, and had he decided to take over an abandoned castle in London instead of San Francisco, he would be fucked right now, and not in a good way. Later this year, I will be in England interviewing people about some of these changes affecting how British people are permitted to consume and produce pornography. Banning BDSM material is only one part of a much broader anti-porn crusade that was championed by David Cameron until his recent embarrassing resignation. So stay tuned to hear more about that in the upcoming months. But let's return to San Francisco. Part of why BDSM porn is often specifically targeted by anti-porn crusaders is because it can be really brutal and disturbing and confusing and cause viewers to genuinely fear for the physical and psychological safety of the performers in a given scene. That's why I really appreciate kink.com's efforts to educate its viewers about BDSM. They introduce the models and they talk about what they're excited about, or if they're nervous about something and if they worked with their company before. And then we do that for like consent and, you know, the introduction. And then we film the scene and afterwards we'll film an exit interview and they say well, what they liked and if they work with our company again. And typically that answer is yes. Um, because if we have someone here that's not into BDSM, that really just hurts the integrity of everything that we do here. Right. And the whole job of the director is to really make the scene work. So let's say you have this idea for a scene. You have like this fantasy, you get the models to do it and it's happening and you're watching it and you're like, this isn't hot. Like, I'm watching this isn't hot. And so the whole job of the director is to make that scene work for each person. So, like, the, every model is happy. It looks hot. It looks good on film. We're going to make money off that scene. 
So it's hard to have a scene where like everyone's completely unhappy because you're just constantly modifying it to make it work. Right, right. And it might even turn into like something that's not even close to the original idea. Yeah, and I feel like those before and after testimonials also help people who are interested in BDSM but don't necessarily understand it, understand that this is all fantasy, that people aren't actually being hurt in ways they don't want to be hurt, and that they're safe words and all these important things that maybe isn't always clear when you're watching other BDSM porn. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, stuff from Russia, for whatever reason, it always just feels like they may have actually just killed that person. I don't know. I actually have this moment all the time if I'm watching a BDSM scene not kink-produced. I was watching... (laughs) I was watching this scene, and... um, it was this girl that I used to work with at a restaurant and I heard she'd done porn. So I looked it up naturally because I'm a right. creep. Yeah. So I, you are, you are the creepiest. But if you found out your, <laughs> if you found out your old coworker did porn, you're going to oh, look it up. Like, absolutely. I'm a human being, you know? Uh, so I have this scene and it's her, she's like out in the woods. She's like tied to this like post. And, uh, and basically she, she's like, she's like gagged and she's like, she's tied up. And then she's like her sitting there for like, probably like 10 minutes, just like crying and drooling all over herself. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, and she's just crying and drooling. I'm like, okay, this is weird, you know? But like, I had to keep watching because I have to know what happens, you know? And you know she's still alive, yeah, right? I think so. <laughs> uh, so anyways, this, this masked character comes out of nowhere. And then he's taking this pointy stick and kind of poking her in the feet with it. And then she's still kind of like crying. And then, um, and like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, is this a snuff film? Like, like is he going to like take that stick and stab her? Like, I wasn't sure it was going to happen, you know? Because it wasn't particularly erotic and she wasn't that naked. And it was just like, it was just a lot of crying and slobbering, which I guess maybe someone's into that. Right. But yeah, I think she's alive. I, I think I saw a Facebook post recently. It's interesting to just like lead with crying. That was the whole scene. It was just her, him like poking her in the feet with a stick and uh, I think that was it, actually. I think it was just <laughs> her, him poking her with a stick, and then she was crying. So it was, it was cry porn. It was cry I mean, porn. And that's a, that's a fetish for yeah, people. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people have fetishes. I mentioned earlier that pissing.com was acquired by another giant porn network, and it just so happens that one of its sister sites is crygasm.com. So maybe the scene Quinn just described is a crygasm scene, though I'm sure there are a number of other crying porn content providers. In addition to the intros and outros, where we get to actually meet and hear from the real humans involved in a given scene, kink.com produces educational materials that further demystify BDSM and also serve as how-to guides for various kinky activities. So this here is a classroom set um, inspired for kinkuniversity.com, though they rarely film in here. And so this is like an educational BDSM website. So if you want to get weird with your partner, don't know how to do it, this is a how-to website. There's videos on like bondage, fisting, anal, dirty talk, that sort of thing. And it it is, I feel like this room right now, for for me at least, is a great example of how you guys transform this space constantly. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was here last month and this room you know, had this a similar vibe, but it looked completely different. Yeah. Like there were books on the bookshelves. I think those books we saw over there that we walked by. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was set up to look more like like a dean's office. Yeah. And, and like this, some Ivy League school. And this looks kind of like um 
This looks more like just like office-y. Yeah, this looks like an office. But I've also seen more look like, it'll look like straight up like a like a classroom. And there's right. like desks and wadded up paper everywhere. And I'm sure, you know, there's lots of like classroom scenes that get shot. In oh, definitely. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure I've seen some of them. It, it's something I always say is that we think the whole school theme is hot but only if it's 18 or over, which right. is hence Kink University, not Kink High School. Exactly, exactly. And I really like that. <laughs> like, that makes me happy. I'm looking at kinkuniversity.com right now, and Quinn is right. None of the scenes I see seem to be shot on that particular set. The topics covered on this site are incredibly diverse. There's a lot of, you know, sex stuff, but there's even a video on dungeon building And a lot of the videos aren't really BDSM-focused either. There's Cunnilingus 101, and there's a guide to car sex, which is something I decided I'm too damn tall for a long time ago. But who knows? Maybe the video will make me change my mind. There's a video on having a male-female-female threesome. If you have a fantasy that you've put off pursuing because... You're afraid you're not going to do it right, or you're just not sure how to make it happen. There's a good chance Kink University has made a video that might bring you closer to realizing that fantasy. You can watch trailers for these videos for free, and you can buy individual videos for $17.99 if you don't want to join kink.com. And if you're paranoid about making these kind of purchases with your real name and personal credit or debit card, you can just go to 7-Eleven pick up a Visa gift card, and you can join kink.com using a pseudonym. Not all porn sites will let you do this, but as far as I know, kink.com does accept prepaid credit cards. So there's your free life hack of the day. Another thing I noticed when I was looking through the most recent updates for Kink University is that one of the performers featured in a rimming tutorial happens to be one of Quinn's fellow tour guides. Do any of the people who give tours here have like more of a connection to the porn industry? Yeah, so one of our tour guides, his name is Ruckus, also covered in tattoos, is a real babe. Um, he's bisexual um, and he, he does porn. He's also like a motorcycle mechanic and just an all-around badass. And also a sweetheart. He's probably like the nicest guy I've ever met. He also can teach you some ass-eating techniques if that's something you'd like to learn about. As to whether we'll see him eating Quinn's ass on film, only time will tell. Sometimes I'll be drinking with porn stars, but yeah, I'm going to do porn. And the next day I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. I would like to do like one scene, like some really nasty scene, just have it out there like as a bucket list thing that people watch behind my back. Like I think that'd be cool. Um, But I don't know. I I just don't think that it's for me. I think I'm too like self-conscious. And my parents, you know, like I like, I, I think that's everyone's biggest fear is their parents finding out. But I'm not even... Like, it's not even about me doing porn because, like, my parents assume that I'm going to end up doing porn anyway. It's more about the critical comments she's worried her mom would make about the scene itself. But that's not her only reservation. It's like, I don't want my dad's friends to jack off to me. Who does? But our conversation about whether Quinn will ever do porn got a bit more complicated when we were exploring my favorite part of the armory, the upper floor. So we're on the upper floor. This is the top floor, the fifth floor of the building. It's a full Edwardian household. And it's like a kinky upstairs, downstairs, or a kinky Downton Abbey. I like it. This website films once a week, just like all the others. But 
three out of the four times a month they throw a big fancy party. So it's all with formal attire. They invite members of the BDSM community as guests, and it's like a sex play party. It's invite, it's invite only. It's invited by someone else already attends. There's like food and drinks and, you know, a lot of kinkiness that goes down. And it's very beautiful up here. There's a lot of great yeah. artwork. It's well decorated. It's funny going from the dungeon to up here because it's just, it's like two it's different worlds. Yeah. Each with their own charms. Yeah. The focus of these parties is usually two or three female sex slaves. Do you pay the slaves? Yes, they're paid. There are also professional dominants on hand who are the only people who can fuck the slaves. There's a chest here filled with like sex toys. There's cattle prods and canes and ball gags and ropes and butt plugs and to zappers and... And the magic wands, the Hitachi vibrators, the magic wands, uh, when they bring them out, they have two condoms on them. And then when you use it, you're supposed to, you know, take the condom off, put another one on. And, you, and this, so there's like cleaners, there's condoms, there's everything you might need for a sex play party. And, so, and there's those giant drums of cleaners that are as yes. big as the giant drums of lube. So they're like 55 gallons as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And they had these buckets where you put your used toys or anything you use so someone else doesn't use it. You put it in this bucket and all the rules are kind of explained before the party, like what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And the exact level of interaction guests are allowed to have with these slaves is predetermined by the slaves themselves, which is also how public disgrace and found in public shoots work. And again, I might be throwing around the word slave, but we have to keep in mind that all of this is meticulously consensual. You know, like when we did like public disgrace, like some models would be okay, but they were okay with people in the crowd coming over and fingering them, you know, or like people in the crowd could like smack their ass or like smack their tits or whatever. And And so these are just invited guests, but randos. Right. And so, so with this, like the model will list what they're okay with. Like maybe a model doesn't want anyone touching them or maybe they're okay with people touching them. Um, I was once at a public disgrace uh, when Princess Donna was directing and she was going around to everyone in the crowd and making sure that their like fingernails were clean and they were like filed. And then like I watched her like clean this beer bottle inside and out, like just like really aggressively cleaning this beer bottle so someone in the crowd could fuck the model like with the beer bottle. And so, so like it's, it's regular. Right. It is. Yeah. And they take cleanliness very seriously at kink.com. As I mentioned earlier, they store cleaning supplies in 55 gallon drums. I'm not sure exactly how long it takes for them to go through that much cleaner, but it takes them about three months to use 55 gallons worth of lube. So 220 gallons of lube every year. Look at all of these dildos. A lot of dicks. Um, these big ones though, you know, just like anal or a process, you can't just be going, doing a dry ram jam of that. Yeah. No, no, no dry ram jams here. I have a zero tolerance policy for dry ram jams. Kink.com is also very focused on preventing the spread of STIs. And they proudly proclaim that there have been zero on-site transmissions of STIs at the armory. Of course, there's like a slight little asterisk you want to put next to that since herpes and HPV are technically 
STIs, but no one in the porn industry tests for those things because like 90% of the population has some form of HPV and you could never make porn again if having an HPV free set was something anyone aspired to. But let's get back to the upper floor. So the main theme, obviously, is the sex slave scene, which is happening in the middle. And then the guests are literally just kind of extras or background pieces. But obviously, if someone's doing something really cool, we're gonna they're going to pan the camera over. So there's all these hard points in the ceiling. So there's a lot of like rope enthusiasts that will come here and they'll suspend someone. So if someone's getting suspended and it's really cool, they'll film that. And you've been to some of these parties? I've been to a lot of these. If you look hard enough, you can find me on there. Uh, there is this one time um, my my two friends were here, a man and a woman, and he was tying her up. And uh, I think I, I had a, a ball gag in that had a, a dildo on it. So it was like a, I don't know, what do you call those? I, I, There's a name for them. Yeah, I don't know the name. I, I know what you're talking about. It's a ball gag dildo. Right. And so basically, like, as he has her suspended, I'm like fucking her with my mouth dildo. So you've, you've been in porn. Yeah. Yeah, I have, but kind of, I guess. And then I think my girlfriend was like holding a magic wand to my vagina, like all at the same time. And yeah, you uh, definitely did a porn scene. <laughs> yeah. Like in the background. So I, I watched the trailer for that shoot and I was all up in that trailer. And so See? there's a few different times. Have that you I've, watched the actual scene? Uh, I haven't watched the full scene. I've watched the trailers. So you, you haven't even seen your own porn scene. I really? haven't. No, I, I, you know, and I'm, I've watched the trailer though a couple times. <laughs> so, uh, no, but there's other you... times like there was, uh, there was a bondage convention we had here. We've done one bondage convention and then they filmed two scenes at the same time. So for every scene they have, they have 50 guests. So they did a scene in the dining room and a scene in the lounge. So there was a hundred people here. There was like this transgender woman that I was like making out with. And then there was like this guy here who I had like flirted with. And uh, I told him I had to like leave soon. He was just like, okay, well, I'll be right back. So like the next thing I know, he's just like fucking me. And then like, I'm still making out with the transgender woman. And this other woman comes over from like somewhere else. And she's like, I think she's like going down on me at the same time. So like literally like, all these people were like on me at the same time. There was like a man, a woman and a transgender woman. And I was like, this is amazing, you know? Um, and that was like my, one of my first experiences here was my foursome where I had like had the craziest orgasm I've ever had in my life. How, how long were you working here before you had a foursome on camera? Um, so I started working here in June or July, and that was October. Okay. So, yeah, so June, bit. yeah. So you, I got here June. To, you got used to the environment. Yeah, so I was here, so yeah, June, and that happened in October, because it was right around Halloween. And so how many of these parties have you been to? Um, Roughly. I would say like, you know, maybe 10, 10 have, plus. And, but I've been to other events. And at the 10 or so upper floor parties you've gone to, have you had like sexual contact at all of them? Not all of them. I'd say like those, obviously the two I talked about, but not all of them. Sometimes I just come for the food. <laughs> like our, our chef is amazing. He makes incredible food. So sometimes I'll just come here and just hang out with him or I'll come up and like have a couple of drinks like after one of my chores or something. And I'll like socialize or sometimes I'll just watch the action. Um, but I'd say like, you know, you know, like I'm not like I'm not sitting up here and rubbernecking, you know. Right, right. I'll like engage with people or maybe like because sometimes they ask for involvement in the scenes. There was a scene up here with Marna Miller, who is actually like my porn star crush, and I got to like twist her nipples during the scene, and that was exciting. So I get used a lot for things like that because you know they know that I'm comfortable. Um, but I'm not always having like a full on like 
gangbang up here, you know. So. But you've done that at least a couple times? I'd say like at least… I'll have some sort of re- interaction each time I'm here. Like maybe I'll like spank someone or something. But as far as like having like… Um, something X-rated. Right. Say. Or like I have like, like I have sex with someone. I'd say like maybe like like a third of the time. So like three times, something like that. Uh, that seems low. <laughs> uh, maybe like… Maybe like four times, I'd okay. say. Yeah, four or five times. So yeah, yeah, that still seems really low. I don't think that's true. Let's go with half. Okay, this is it like five times? Yeah, and now I'm thinking that 10 seems low. God, okay, I don't you know. You may have just gone to more parties here than you were. I, yeah, because I don't really think about it. Because like sometimes, sometimes I just pop up here for a little bit, you know? Right. And then like, you know, I'll not have something formal to wear. So then I'll just be up here naked because I don't have a former outfit. And naked is just as good as being formal. So actually, I think, I think that probably 20 is a more accurate answer. And then probably eight of those I've had like interactions in. So I feel like you've done porn like eight times. I've probably done porn like eight times. And it's because it's, it's funny to count it. Like I'm just like, oh, you know, like just a handful of times. I'm like that's not true. That's definitely not Wait, but, true. But it's funny because like when, when we were downstairs and we were in the motel room, I remember you say, oh no, I, I, I've thought about maybe doing porn. In I my head, I don't consider it porn. Exactly. I think it's just because you've been working here. So you… Because no one's paid me to do things on camera. So I'm like, I haven't done porn. Right. And I'm not listed. My name's not in it. People have listed me, but you can never… Could you prove that that's me? Could you prove it? <laughs> Minus the fact that I have tattoos and I'm probably very, fairly recognizable. Um, but… Right. I mean, I just, I just feel like because… If, had you never worked here and you had been in those scenes, I think you would have considered it porn, porn. But right. because you've… You've seen what like professional porn performers do and what their lives are and what that job is. You don't connect the two. Yeah, I, I think I keep them separate. Whereas like my mom would probably consider this doing porn exactly. if she knew about it, you know. Quinn won't feel completely comfortable saying she's done porn until she is officially cast and paid to appear in a specific scene. I have a feeling that will eventually happen. And off-camera, she has already had sex with some male porn stars. She even dated one for a while. I noticed that when we were, like, having sex that he, like, had sex with me at angles that would look good on camera. Like, it was just, like, I was like, this is weird. Like, what is he doing? I'd, like, I realized he's, like, like, doing it at an angle that would look good on film or, like, an area that would look good if you're watching yourself in the mirror. And so that was something really unique that I noticed about dating a porn star. It felt very staged. Like, I feel like it could have been filmed. You could have sold it. You know, staged as a word is often used in a negative way. Like, did, was there a negative aspect to it or was it just like, oh, this is funny. This is like… Well, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, you know, instead of like being penetrated, like, you know, in a straight on position, it's like at an angle. So you kind of tilted to the side so you can see like his body and you can see like the actual penetration. But it's just like, for me, you're just like jabbing the sidewall of my vagina. <laughs> I guess this isn't like super enjoyable for me. Um, I don't know. But like sex in general is enjoyable. So it was fine, you know. Well, did, did you, like, try to correct it? Like, Oh, yes, obviously. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, we're not on camera, dude. Yeah, yeah just like, you can, you can straighten this up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> My second favorite place in the armory is probably the sci-fi set. It's modeled after Battlestar Galactica. And they did one of my favorite scenes, which was a Star Trek gangbang. Okay. And it was, it was incredible. <laughs> I, worth watching. Very much worth watching. Well, what was incredible about it? Just the costumes and like, and it's a gangbang. Like gangbangs in general, just exciting. You know, like they were, you know, the ears and the shirts. <laughs> it was very authentic. 
And then uh, we also keep our fucking machines in here. So fucking machines, our second website launched in 1999. Um, I think of and every... it's still active, right? It is, yeah. So, we, so fucking machines, um, out of everything we do here, I think is the most tame. So if you, if you take a drill, remove the drill piece, add a dildo, it's a drill dough. Take a chainsaw, remove the teeth and add tongues, it's a lick a chick. So this website is fucking machines, female models, a camera... That's it. Uh, we used to have an active version of this website called Butt Machine Boys, which at the moment is not producing new content. Not, not enough people were into the Butt Machine Boys. Yeah, but we make these in-house and you can buy these online. We have these on our website. And they're surprisingly affordable. You could probably score one for like under 500. That's, I feel like that's a good deal. That's a good deal, I think, for this. Yeah, because like a good, you know, a good vibrator could run you like 200. One fun piece of science fiction trivia is that some of the first Star Wars film was actually shot at the Armory, long before Kink.com took over, obviously. But this place has a rich cinematic legacy, replete with many, many gangbangs, and at least one George Lucas film. But I think Quinn's much more interested in the gangbangs. One of my personal favorites, also a gangbang. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to apologize for, your for, love for of my, gangbangs. my love of gangbangs and parody gangbangs. I just have a problem. Uh, so this was seven men dressed up in panda suits and one woman, Princess Donna, a former director here. And, uh, you know, they were panda suits, they were obvious costumes. And uh, yeah, she got, you know, she got a lot of panda dick. She got a lot, she got a lot of panda dick. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy, stop following us. Beat it. And that, that was a fun scene. Because I think it's it's like pandas have like a very unique sex life. Like it's hard for them to like procreate. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah. It's a very, very they... magical scene. I think we really captured that. We helped the pandas procreate by Ooh. giving them Princess Donna We're right. on a I, platter. I really hope that they're showing that video to pandas in zoos and stuff. I think it would help. So, yeah, because mm -hmm. they have such issues and they just they just need some guidance. And I do know that they do. There, there was some, there was some talk of them sh trying to show pandas panda porn, like just so. I had read something about that. Yeah, I might have to look look into that a little bit more. Yeah, do a little. Um, do do a little research. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I vaguely remember something about like they're trying to play videos of pandas fucking for pandas so that. To normalize the behavior, there's I, maybe there's a lot of sexual shame among pandas. Maybe they're re religious. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, like the you know, it's just their um, their culture. Yeah, the panda of it, like you it's know, it's a sex phobic culture. culture. Yeah, there is in fact a Wikipedia page dedicated to the topic of panda pornography that offers more information on some of the experiments they've used to try to get pandas to bang in captivity. Spoiler alert, this method appears to be mostly unsuccessful, sadly. One of the creepiest areas in the armory is the brig. So this is a mix of our cages that we built and also the original prison cages for the National Guard. And there's <laughs> so, so something... you guys shoot in the original cages from the National Guard. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Awesome. Uh, so, so, but these, there's something about these prison cages that are just so much more creepier than our cages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, look how little this one is over here. Like, yeah, yeah, you couldn't like, even stand up in there. Yeah, and like, it looks really cold and sad. So the, the National Guard had prisoners in San Francisco. I guess so. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain that. I mean, this is where they, but this is their timeout area. I don't know. 
Because this is this is. I mean, it looks it looks like animal kennels. That's what it looks like. Like it doesn't look like humans should be put in there. They did keep horses down here, but I these aren't the horse. Right. Stables. I mean, they would have to be little ponies. Yeah, they have to be miniature ponies. <laughs> in retrospect, it does make sense considering the kind of things the National Guard does that they would have some sort of holding facility. But it doesn't make sense that it would be that small. And of course, there are cages of all kinds spread throughout the armory. You've already heard me try to fit into one of the smaller ones. God damn it. And if you were following me on Snapchat back in June, I'm on there as Chris Soa, all one word, you saw quite a few cages, as well as the Battlestar set and a bunch of other kinky things. This actually used to be the Electro Sluts room. They changed it into a creepy motel room. But tour guides really like this room because there's this cage built into the floor here. And you could put people in the tour underneath it. And I like to put people in this cage on the floor and stomp on it, you know. <laughs> and that was like the highlight of my tour was just, you know, yelling at these vanilla people. And then this over here, which they've also covered up, uh, is a hole in the floor. And there's a cutout hole for the head. So they would hang someone upside down from this chain here. Uh, the head would go in the floor. These black metal panels would close around the neck. And so it's kind of like sensory deprivation. It's all black, and then you can't tell what someone's doing to you. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> in the basement of the armory, not too far from Miniature Pony Prison, there's this giant open space the size of a small warehouse with long rows of stacked shelves housing... What I think any mathematician would characterize as a shit ton of props. A lot of this you purchased in estate sales. Other stuff we made in-house with the working metal and wood shop. And it's all kind of divided up. You know, we got cabinets over here. How many props do we think this is? I mean, oh, this God, is I don't a know. lot of shit. This is a lot of shit. There's like mannequins over there. There's lamps and chairs and tables and rugs. Uh, this is the cage area. We have like the pet cage. There's traditional we've, metal cages. We've got some thrones. These we've got are some cool. throne seats. We have one of those old school hair drying chairs. It's interesting. Giant it's like, bean bag. They just really want to create different spaces all the time so that mm -hmm. people, so that it doesn't seem like, I mean, 70 rooms is a lot but it seems like 70,000 rooms because you put in right. couches and and eventually if we've just used chests i mean i'm sure people have been locked in all of these chests yeah my favorite is this little <laughs> pet carrier which i also could not fit into i'm positive yeah i could you couldn't yeah uh yeah they really try to mix it up all the time because you know they're coming up with a different scene each website has a different new scene each week and so they try to mix it up a lot. But if we've used, you know, as much as we could possibly use out of one room, then eventually they might strip it down and redo it. So we also have submersion tanks here. That's fun. Um, I'd love to say, I would love to like, just like right now, just be like submerged in a tank. But I feel like yeah. that's not an option. I haven't seen these used in a while, <laughs> but these were used a lot uh, for waterbondage.com and sadisticrope.com. Uh, both of those websites aren't currently producing new content. And it's but. just because... Like, they're just not performing as well compared right, to other sites. Right, just not sites, in demand. So. Like, but, example, Hardcore Gangbangs, that was a website we stopped doing, and then we made Fantasy, ga fantasy Gangbangs and Bound Gangbangs, and now we're back using Hardcore Gangbangs again. So just because it stops once, you know, it's not over. So there's hope. Right, right. Um, there's, like, a drum set. 
There's hay bales, straw bales. That's fun. There's stages, there's books. Because you, you've definitely set up like fake like barnyard kind of stuff. Yeah, I've seen like them dress up like a horse stable. Um, one time they did like this, this like Nazi gangbang and they dressed up the abattoir as like this something out of Auschwitz. But you know, mixed reviews on that. <laughs> yeah. But not everyone was in love with uh, Auschwitz. Form. You know what? Everyone, I mean, I thought it was kind of, you know, unique. But when I mentioned it to her, it's like I got a lot of like, you know, not so great reactions. So then I stopped talking about it. Auschwitz-themed gangbangs aren't for everyone. The same could be said for most of the scenes produced at the Armory. When it comes to porn, particularly extreme porn, it's perfectly natural to have a strong, visceral reaction. And if it's not the kind of porn you're into, that reaction is likely to be negative. Especially if that porn also somehow relates to how your grandparents died. As open-minded as Quinn is, even she has felt compelled to avert her eyes from some kink.com content. This next part might not be the best thing to listen to if you're eating dinner. But after, you know, a year or so of working here, like, I wondered, like, what would phase me? Like, when was I going to see something where I was like, this is too much, you know? And I found it <laughs> uh, in my weekly porn research that I was doing. Um, it's our website called Everything But. Dot com, so B-U-T-T, everythingbutt.com, which is in fact everything but. And so I think it was like three women and they had taken a speculum, which is what they use at the gynecologist to open up your vagina. And so they put the speculum on this woman's a- asshole. And so I'm looking like, you know, staring down the barrel of this woman's asshole, which is like, it looks like the diameter of like a, a basketball or something. And so like, I didn't even know the anuses could go that big, let alone that you could use it with a speculum. But I'm like looking down it and it's just like, I've never like seen and decided someone's intestines like that before, you know? But I'm like, this is cool. Like, I'm cool. I'm watching this. I'm cool, you know? Okay, so we're still not weirded out yet. Still not weirded out yet. And I was just, I'm mesmerized at this point. <laughs> And so these other two women are taking turns, dipping their hands into her asshole and pulling out this thick white substance and feeding it to each other. Which at the time, I didn't know if it was lube. I didn't know if it was cum. I later found out it's the spunk lube, which is made to look like cum. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was hoping it was going to be like an artichoke dip. Oh, I, I wish. That would actually would have been better. But no, it was this thick white substance, which I assumed was cum. They're taking it out in big handfuls and just dripping it to each other's mouths. And I was like, I was like, oh, like, I don't want to watch this anymore, you know? <laughs> and I turned it off, you know? And then that night, I woke up in the middle of the night in a full body sweat because I thought my asshole was being ripped apart. And so I learned, you know, anal gaping with weird lube play, not my thing. Yeah. It's important to know. Yeah. And I want to clarify that I just watched the trailer of the scene. I didn't even watch the whole scene. This was just the trailer. That was in the trailer. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The videographer that website, he was once telling me that like, he gets like really into it. Like he really nerds out on it. And it's not even sexual for him, but it's like, he'll be like, he'll be like, you know, filming the scene. He sees something dripping. He's like, oh, like something's dripping. I got to get underneath that so I can catch it falling down, you know? And he said like, you know, like, because it is everything but he gets like, he just gets like really in there and he gets like so excited about it. And I'm just like, cool. Like, like that's cool, you know? <laughs> I mean, I imagine a lot of the people who do things here are just like very focused on the craft. Have you? Yeah, it's very artsy. Like, um, 
Matrix Madeline, um, she she actually directed the Donald Trump gangbang, but she gets really creative and she really makes things very artsy and it's really cool. I think she has the hashtag on Twitter, um, sorry, on uh, Instagram. It's like, this is pornography. And she just kind of takes pictures of all the sets that she does. And it's really, it's, it's really cool. Do you talk about craft with a lot of like directors and videographers and that kind of thing? Directors, not so much, but like videographers, I'll talk to her like production assistants because our production assistants actually will edit as well. And so they're all pretty creative. Um, so yeah, but I, you know, I hang out with other kink employees. And what, what kind of things have you learned about the production process through um, all of this? Well, like the production assistants really just like are working their ass off. Like, I mean, most of the time, like, you know, you're a videographer and editor, separate people. And it's just like our videographers and production assistants are doing like two jobs. Like they're doing like everything. Like, you know, each website has its own, its director, a videographer and a production assistant. So it's like you have three people for one website and it's just like they're just doing everything. And so the production assistant is responsible for cleaning everything up. So they have they're to the cleaner. They're the cleaner. They have to clean everything up. They have to put everything away, make sure it's in the right place. And then like, and then then they'll help edit. And like, they really got to make sure everything's on time. They help the models get ready. If they're missing something during the scene, they have to go grab it. And it's just like they're you know, they're keeping everyone happy. Like the director, the videographer, the models. Like they're really just getting work the hardest. And I have so much respect for them. And the videographers, again, it's just like, it's kind of like art to them. And it's funny, like, I think people always think like that everyone that worked at kings.com was just like walking around with a huge erection, you know, it's just like all these creepy dudes just like always like turned on and like everyone's fucking each other in the building. As far as questions that people ask me that are ridiculous, it's just like, so do like kings.com, can you guys just like have sex in the sets? And I'm just like, no, that's how you get fired. <laughs> Except at upper floor parties, then it seems to be okay. The woman that used to run King Alive, she told me that she like stares at naked people all day long. And so like all that she really wants is to go home and like see people with clothes on. She's <laughs> like, I just want to see people wearing clothes, you know? And so I think there's something, you know, I guess where I can see something that doesn't phase me anymore. I think like working here makes you like not, you know. It, it desensitizes you for sure. Yeah. Quinn and I ended our late night adventure in this really cool wrestling gymnasium space. And don't step on the mat. Uh, the I director won't. of this website is like a big, hot, scary woman, Ariel X. And she, uh, I don't want to piss her off. <laughs> Let's not piss her off. All right. So this is, this is Ultimate Surrender. Um, under our kink umbrella, we have two wrestling websites. Um, the first is Ultimate Surrender. It's girl on girl wrestling. It's kind of like this classic gymnasium style. The other is Topcock. It's male-on-male wrestling, and it's more like a fight club style. Okay. And so it's a, it's a good mix of, like, actual wrestling moves with, like, kinky moves. Um, a lot of these fighters have martial arts and jiu-jitsu backgrounds. They want to win, and they're paid more to do so. So, like, you get points for different things, like... Like force making out, force face sitting, like slapping a tit, slapping the ass, like finger in the pussy, you know, whatever. And so the more the more challenging remove that you do, the more points you receive. And so ultimate surrender is multiple rounds, and the winner is obviously the person uh, with the most points. And at the end, the winner gets to fuck the loser however they please. And so those aren't rigged, like it's Mm, for the most part, no. Interesting, because I always just assumed like. They've decided who's going to get fucked. And 
sometimes like they'll be like, hey, like we want you to do anal at the end and we'll pay you more. Like that happens. But for the most part, it's not really rigged. But sometimes they'll like, you know, they'll auction off things a little bit. Um, but Topcock is one round instant fucking, which is one su- round instant fucking, which is super stereotypical of men. <laughs> um, so they do this website films once a week, just like all the other ones. But once a month, they film a live tag team match in front of a live audience. Okay, in this space. In this space, yeah. So the bleachers are used for the the audience. And they used to have an open guest list for this. Like you'd join the email list on the website. They'd send out email blasts. You would RSVP as quick as possible. And then we just kind of had too many people RSVPing and it was a bit too like we didn't know who was coming in here. And so now it's mostly kink.com employees or like friends of employees, that sort of thing. But this website's cool because there's two videographers and there's one on the ground and there's one up above in this little hanging apparatus here. So they're getting the money shots either way. And then these TVs are used for the points. And it's a real sport for us. Like I think out of everything that we do here, this might be the most quote unquote dangerous. Do people uh, get hurt? I imagine. Yeah, people get hurt. I mean, not all the time, but people have gotten hurt more likely doing this than something else because they're like wrestling and, you right, know. Right, right. Um, but yeah, the, the teams change with different seasons. So we kind of run it like it's an actual team and an actual sport. So that's cool. Yeah. Topcock actually used to be called Naked Combat. Okay. And then they rebranded to Topcock. Do you know why they renamed it? I don't. They kind of do that sometimes. Like our Electroplay website, the original was Wired Pussy. And then they've re- they rebranded it into um, Electro Sluts. But it's basically the same website. I think they just kind of, I just, you know, give it a facelift and call it something else and pretend it's brand new. We could spend many more hours talking about the various kink.com sites. There are more than 30 of them, after all. And looking through the list, I see that the name Topcock is gone and Naked Combat has been resurrected for whatever reason. We've talked quite a bit about porn in this episode, but there also is a lot that goes on at the armory that has nothing to do with pornography. There's another much larger gymnasium that was recently refurbished and is absolutely beautiful. For the National Guard, it was their drill court. They did uh, drills and training exercises there. And in the 1920s, they added the roof and the bleachers. And it was a premier prize fighting venue for Golden Glove Boxing. And it was the largest enclosed space in San Francisco. And they called it the Madison Square Gardens of the West. And so I think they had events here up until, you know, the National Guard left in 1976. And it's interesting to think about that space in the context of it's just a small part of this whole... Well, I mean, that's actually the biggest part of the entire armory. Right, but what percentage of the armory do you think that space is? Well, that's 40,000 square feet and the armory is 200,000 square feet. Right, so it's... 20% of this space is the largest, you know, is is the Madison Square Garden of the West. Like, that's a great example of just how fucking huge this place is. Yeah, so we didn't really use that space for, like, a number of years that we were here. Like, we did a few scenes there, but it's really big, and it was kind of hard to do a whole lot of scenes in there. And then in 2010, they had the Castro County Fair here. And 2,000 people came. They raised a bunch of money for the AIDS Emergency Fund. Then they decided to open a community center. So the Armory Community Center, they had 
flea markets and farmers markets and roller derbies and concerts and fundraisers. And then they were trying to make it into event space and they really trying really hard for a long time to do that. And, um, we started doing music events. We were limited to just having a DJ for a long time. And back in October, 2015, we had a Chemical Brothers concert. The whole place was sold out. And we did a few EDM shows, including Eric Pride's, which was also sold out with this crazy laser show. And we decided we wanted to do things like that all the time. And so we had this, this uh, a little bit of a war trying to get this entertainment permit. And we finally did. And now we can have live shows here whenever we want, not limited to any genre. And we also do events here. We so we rent that space out for corporate parties and events and team building parties. We've done a lot of that. I think I see corporate parties there the most. That's interesting. And then uh, just Silicon Valley type of stuff. Yeah, and then they also will, they'll rent it out for like fundraisers and nonprofits. They'll make a really good deal with them. They really kind of hook it up on that. Um, but yeah, Silicon Valley, like Airbnb had something here. I could see that because it's just like, I think most corporations would want to distance themselves from porn, but Silicon Valley is unique in in a way where, I mean, I know that that place doesn't feel porny, but it is owned by. Yeah. And that's often people's kind of, um, that's kind of their interpretation of it. And so I think the woman running the events department is really trying to separate it from the armory. Like it's not. We're not calling it like the kink community center. It's like the Armory Community Center is Armory Studios. And they have like a different logo. It's not the the K with the tail. And uh, she's really brought in a lot of new business here. Like a lot of, I think a lot of companies that probably wouldn't have normally wanted to come to the Porn Palace. Kink.com also owns a bar called the Armory Club located directly across the street from the Armory on Mission Street. And once a month, you can go there to hear Quinn do stand-up comedy at a show she hosts there. It's called Total Smut. It's dirty comedy plus uh, question and answers with a porn star. When's the next one? Uh, August 18th. It's a Thursday at 7 p.m. I had a lot of fun re-exploring the armory with Quinn Quintana. So thank you for going on this adventure with me, Quinn. I also want to thank whomever it is at kink.com who approved said adventure. We'll have another episode for you later this month. Thank you all for your patience. More episodes are on the way, I promise. Special thanks, as always, to Sean Payne and Luis DeMeo for all that they do. Review the show on iTunes. Follow me on Snapchat. I know I've been kind of absent from Snapchat lately, but... I'll be back with a vengeance soon. Again, that's Chris Soa, all one word, and we'll be back as soon as we can be. I actually decided recently that birds were more evil than cats. So... I've been attacked by a lot of birds. Do you have a hierarchy of evil when it comes to animals? Yeah, I do. I like to rank them. I really like to rank them. (laughs) So what's the most evil animal now? I think birds. Okay, so what? Birds are dolphins. Dolphins are evil because yeah, of the so, rape. Is that because, what it is? Yeah, you already know about the dolphin rape, don't you? Yeah, you I, would. You would know about the dolphin rape. I mean, because other than that, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such an awful thing to say. <laughs> because you know they're intelligent and they're majestic. Yeah, and, they're beautiful. Um, yeah. Here, do you want more light in here? Are you good? But birds are very rapey too. Is that why you're anti-bird? I've been attacked by birds a lot. Like I get a lot of birds a flying lot? at my head. My friends have birds. They'll attack me. Yeah, my favorite story 
uh, from when I was working with homeless people is one of my clients was telling me that back when he was, before he was homeless and doing drugs, when he was doing drugs and housed, uh, he would go over to this drug dealer's house and they had this parrot. And every time that someone knocked on the door, the parrot would go... <laughs> because it sounded like someone chopping up lions. And it's just like, parrots are always repeating things you never want them to say. And that's another thing that leads to me thinking that they're the most evil animal. Have, have you had bad experiences with parrots? Uh, yeah, I, got, I had one of my friend's parrots like pecked at me once. Another one of my friends had a bird that would just constantly fly at my hair and attack my hair. Like, I don't know what it is. Pigeons, I've had pigeons fly directly into my face in San Francisco. Though we're really overpopulated with pigeons here in general. Need some falcons. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. She got a lot of panda dick. She got a lot, she got a lot of panda dick, yeah. <laughs>